Thanks for joining us for part four of our journey to the top of Sani. In this episode, we meet up with David Powell from Dita Bank Private Tours, who will accompany us up the Sani Pass, and he'll give us some tips for the trip. David offers private tours up Sani Pass as well as crossland tours of Lesotho. So now we're getting closer to our final destination, which is the Sani Pass, which lies between South Africa and the landlocked mountain kingdom of Lesotho. And I think it's the only road that crosses the summit of the Drakensberg Mountains. And this obviously attracts a lot of people, a lot of adventurous travelers to this area. And while the route is short, it is the mother of all passes in South Africa with breathtaking views and the ultimate goal is obviously the lodge at the top and there's that the highest pub in Africa, which I think is a wonderful destination as, as a beer lover. And here to guide us up this last part of our journey is David Pio from Dita Bang Private Tours. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks. Thanks, Holger. Thank you for having me. David, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, are you, where did you grow up? So I'm a little boy from the Eastern Cape, a town called Matatiele. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yes, uh, I come from a little village, which also borders Lesotho. So my family are actually Basotho, but from South Africa. Okay. Uh, however, I grew up in Kokstad and did my schooling in Peter Maritzburg. So I've been here for seven years. I started off as a tourist guide, which I still am. And uh, in 2019, I started my own tour company. Very yeah, bad so timing. Terrible timing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as they say, it is what it is. Yeah. David, um, so, but you are now based in Heimville. Yes, um, we are based in Heimville. Um, so we basically do private tours. That's our core business. And we'll do um, group tours as well. Uh, but mainly we we like to do crossland Lesotho. So we don't just limit ourselves to the sunny pass. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also do a bit of hiking as well. Not too much because I'm a big guy. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So maybe we can talk about the, the, a little bit about Lesotho as well. But first of all, Let's talk about the Sani Pass because that's a wonderful, I think, a bucket list destination for every traveler to this region. Um, if if we're not taking your tour and we're taking our own car, there are some requirements. the The road can be terrible. Yes, uh, it can be tricky, especially, especially now. You know, um, normally they would um, maintain the road, uh, the roads department, Department of Transport. Uh, but since COVID, they haven't been doing that. So it's quite bad. So a 4x4 is highly recommended. 4x2s, um, uh, we've seen people taking chances, but normally they do get into trouble. Uh, but 4x4 with low ratio, that should get you to the top. Yeah. So obviously, because you're crossing into another country, the highest pub in Africa is in Lesotho. Okay. You will need your passport. Yeah. Uh, for the bottom border, which is the South African border, they will ask you for your passport as well as the top border. Yeah. Um, so COVID vaccination certificates, those are no longer required for both countries, Lesotho and South Africa. Yeah. So and for passport, your, valid passport. Valid passport and 
um, documents for your vehicle? Um, it is recommended that you carry your, your logbook, uh, but I've never had a situation where people ask you or the police ask you for the logbook. Okay. Um, yeah. So another tip is if you are traveling with kids under the age of 18, they will ask you for the unabridged certificate. Okay. Yeah. Unabridged birth certificates. And I yes. think, I mean, it's better to take your vehicle logbook and if they, if, if they don't ask for it, it's a bonus or... If you forget it, you're probably going to get through anyway. Okay. And I've never thought of this, but somebody said you need to take lots of water in case you get stuck. Um, I normally just go and, (laughs) you know, not worry about details like that. Um, How long is the pass? So the pass is only eight kilometers. Okay. So, yeah, it's the uh, trail between the two kilometers. Uh, so that is the actual sunny pass. The trail between um, the two borders. Yeah, so that's eight kilometers. Um, but going back to the water story, um, <laughs> you in the mountains, there's plenty of water uh, okay. unless we're having a drought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if you if you frozen in, I guess. But then you can <laughs> let the snow freeze. Um, exactly. So if we so so. The the actual border of the two countries, is that the, the top or at the bottom? So the actual border is closer to the top because you must know that the Drakensberg Mountains, they work as a natural boundary. Although you've stamped out of South Africa, within the eight kilometers, you are still in South Africa up until you get just before the, um, the, the Lesotho border post. So there, if you look to your left, once you're at the top, there is a stone can there painted with white, and that is uh, the natural boundary there. Okay. Yeah. And now, David, I mean, I've never traveled up there as a, as a with a tour guide, so I just see what I see, and I don't see a lot when I travel on my own. Maybe just tell us what to look out for. Well, obviously, it will be the landscape. Um, it's absolutely out of this world. Whether you are doing it in winter, Spring, summer, there's always something to see. Um, there's animals, of course. Uh, we, we've got a bit of antelope. Obviously, you will find the biggest antelope in Africa, which is the elant. Plenty of baboons. Sometimes when you drive past the, the Sunny Pass Hotel, we'll see them having a round of golf there. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, there's also the, the Umkombanzana Lodge, which was a trading post once upon a time. And of course, Good Hope Trading Post, which will uh, everyone will see that one as we go up. It's the first set of ruins that you will come across before you get to the border post. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's a beautiful landscape. I cannot describe it. Uh, you have to see it in order to appreciate it and understand what it is about. Um, safety, always check your spare wheel. And it's not recommended to go up with a vehicle with the air suspension. So, and why is get that? a normal, yeah, air suspension. I, I'm not a great believer in it. Yes, it might be nice and smooth for a short while until it pops, those airbags <laughs> pop, then you're stuck, you've got problems. And another thing you need to take note of is that there, are, there isn't any network, there aren't any comms 
once you're in the mountains. So you can only get comms at the top of the pass, or you can get assistance from the the, the border officials down the bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just the landscape, uh, the landscape, the, the, the birds, the nature. It's, it's a complete package for me. Yeah. And there, there are people that walk up and down or run up and down the pass. Yes. So we have a couple of walks. Um, we, obviously, we have the private people that hike up, uh, particularly the eight kilometers, which is the actual pass, as I mentioned. And then once a year, we have the marathon, which is the sunny stagger. I think that is normally done in November. So this year, it sounds like they're having it the first week of November. So it's people that you can do either the full marathon, which is 42, and then the half marathon, which is 21. So the 21, they normally get shuttled to the top and they run down back to one of the hotels at the bottom. And then we have the ultra uh, trail running, Drakensberg. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. Uh, I don't know how people do that, but they do do it and it's very popular. And then, of course, round about February, we get the flower walk. In August, we have the chalk walk. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of activity happening there. And then you get the the brave souls who will cycle up. Um, <laughs> and then the the other guys with their motorcycles, with their motorbikes, trying to conquer the sunny pass. Yeah. Yes. If you are experienced, you are more than welcome to do it. And I think those guys feel a great sense of achievement. But... Um, I prefer to have panels around me, so <laughs> all the way. Yeah, yeah. And are, are there a lot of accidents? One of our friends um, fell down the mountain the other day with her with her Toyota double cab. Um, I'm not sure what happened. I think the husband and his friend got out to help around the corner, and she her car ended up in one of the one of the gorges, and she was. Taken to a hospital in Le in Lesotho. Yeah, yeah. She she was fine, but I mean, they, they were, I don't know the backstory of what happened. I just saw it on on social media. Yeah, um, yeah. I I actually did see that double cap, but I was not there to witness the actual accident. Um, and it was one of uh, at at one of the corners, which we call Grace Corner, uh, hence the name. Grace Corner, we make it by the grace of God, um, especially if there's ice, you know, it's it's a bad corner. So she did it after we had the first snowfall okay. and there was ice at that corner. So that's why she had a problem. But yes, to answer your question, we do have accidents now more, more than ever, because after she had an accident, we had another vehicle go over the edge, um, but a, a little bit lower down. So, yeah, it does happen. Okay. Um, I, I, I've been up a number of times, and I think it was a few times you can see those little rivers freezing up there, and then it's it's quite slippery, but that's fairly high up, isn't it? That's on the hairpins. So we yeah. have three bends that normally give us a problem. Um, so the first bend, so when you get to about 2,600 meters above sea level, the first sharp bend to your left, which we call Whiskey Corner, that will normally freeze over. Yeah. Um, and then 
We have obviously the frozen waterfall, which is ice corner. That will freeze up as well. But I'm sure you've noticed that the ice corner, we have gabions. So that helps with uh, preventing water coming onto the road. Okay. And the one directly above the ice corner, which we call Grace Corner, and that is where your friend uh, had the unfortunate accident, that is also a bad one. Apart from those, uh, the others are okay. The, the only problem is that it's very steep. Hmm. Yeah, so in eight kilometers, you are ascending almost a thousand meters above sea level. In eight kilometers. Hmm. So you can imagine some of the gradient is, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's unbelievably steep. Do you know a little bit about the history of the pass in that area? Yes. Um, so the pass, basically, it was a, a trail which was used by the Basutu people uh, as a hunt, uh, not a hunting, um, a trading route. Okay. Now they were using their pack donkeys and mules to access Underberg for trading. Now, obviously, it is mainly people. It was mainly people from the Mukhotlong and the Tabatseka districts because they were coming from the east side and they were very secluded from the west. So they were actually forced to come down the mountains to go and trade in Underberg. Now, obviously, they had their problems, um, and up until a time where there were a couple of gentlemen uh, that decided they were going to conquer the Sunny Pass by driving up. So. The first vehicle to go up was in 1948, and uh, it was an American Willis Jeep. So the Jeeps that they used in the Second World War. So that was actually the first vehicle to summit the Sunny Pass. Okay. So one of the guys uh, that I remember clearly was a gentleman by the name of David Alexander. So uh, he then later on started a business called uh, Mukhotlong Mountain Travels. So he bought an eight-ton Mercedes-Benz truck. And he used to uh, transport goods between Underberg and Mukhotlong. Yeah. So that's how we started getting uh, vehicles going up there. Okay. And that's the same trail that, uh, the, the same pass that, or the same route that they still use today? Well, uh, parts of it are the same. So it, the hairpins would definitely be the same route that they used in 1948. However, the bridle pass, as we would call it, um, was mostly on the north side, on the south-facing slopes, the case, and it would crisscross the river many times before getting to the top of the pass. Yeah, so I'm not hundred percent sure as to when the new, well, new road, in inverted commas, was actually uh, built, uh, but I, uh, it, it is said around about the '60s, and we started using it in the '70s. Okay. Yeah. And there's always a rumor that they're going to tar the road. What do you think? Well, my personal feeling is that they should not tar it. Um, not just because it's my income stream, uh, but, you know, it'll take away from that charm, you know, of being in Africa, um, you know, that sense of conquering uh, the mother of all passes in Southern Africa, you know. Um, yeah, it, it won't feel the same. It will just be a drive in the mountains. Mm. You could be driving in Switzerland. You could be driving in Austria. You could be driving in the Cape. It won't be any different. It won't be special. So that those eight kilometers make it sunny pass. They yeah. make it 
you know, that thing that everyone wants to do, you know. Okay, I agree with you. So in terms of visitors that you see, um, are there a lot of uh, foreign visitors to the area? Or are there, are there, is it mainly locals with the 4x4s that come and test their skill? Well, it actually depends on the time of the year. Uh, winter times, it's mostly the locals. Uh, obviously, we, because we have the snow, so we get the snow chases as well. Um, yeah, but we do, we are getting, especially after COVID, we are getting a lot of locals coming through. Guys from Johannesburg, Durban, um, novice drivers. Uh, we always laugh when we see people in a V8, but going at the, <laughs> in first gear up, up those bends. And yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, we do get um, a lot of the locals, especially during the school holidays, long weekends, it will mainly be locals. And then, of course, from about September, we get a lot of the internationals uh, because they're having their summer holidays in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. Uh, like right now, we're busy with the Dutch people, people from the Netherlands, yeah. Uh, surprisingly, we've had a good influx of the U.S. market, lots of them I've taken, and the Israeli market as well is coming in thick and fast, um, and they normally travel as families, so... Okay, and what, what vehicles do you use in your fleet? Well, uh, fleet is a <laughs> very nice way of putting it. <laughs> right now it is a one-man show, um, but only for a short while. So th uh, that's am, why you call it personal? Yes, it's personal <laughs> and very private. Um, I am using a Prado, a uh, 2005 model. It's, it's comfortable, soft suspension, it will take you anywhere without a problem. It's, okay. it's, it's a very reliable vehicle. Yeah, so that's our go-to vehicle, Toyota Land Cruiser Prados. Can, can you tell us about the packages that you offer? Okay. So no, on a, the normal tour is basically pick up in one, at one of the B&Bs or the hotel. Um, if someone is coming outside of Underberg, there's a B&B Sunny Pass. Manor guest house where I normally pick up from and we do a tour up the sunny pass. So that would be your standard tour, um, which everyone offers. Uh, but we also go to a local village. We meet one of the ladies. Um, and then I have uh, a longer day, day trip to Mukhotlong, so one of the villages. So the people will go to a village where they will experience a little bit more about the Basutu culture. So we have a group of ladies that demonstrate a part of their culture through singing and dancing. And we also visit a Sangoma, a, tra um, a traditional healer. And it's always, you know, people find it fascinating because it's something foreign to them. Even South Africans, you know, mm. when you speak about uh, the culture, the, the, the traditional way of healing and spirituality it's something fascinating to them so we give them that experience as well and of course we will then drive to Mukhotlong uh, which is the town and of course the, the the district or the province is named after the town Mukhotlong um, it was established in 1905 and, and um, yeah it was a British outpost police outpost basically so if the British police didn't like you that is where they would send you uh, for a couple of years or months, yeah. So, 
yeah, that's my, those are the two standard tours. And then I have a popular tour, which is a three day tour. So basically we start from Heimville. Uh, we spend the night in the lowlands in a town called Liribe. So on that day, you will do the sunny pass, of course. We'll do the village with the ladies. And normally now I see uh, pony trekking is becoming very popular. So we do a, an, a ride on that day. And then we go to Dipofung Caves, which is one of the caves where the first king of Lesotho, Mushweshwe, uh, spent a couple of nights with one of the French missionaries when they discovered uh, Montresor. And then from there, we go down to Liribe, spend the night there. And then day two, we do Tababusiu, cultural village. So basically, it's a village that is built up. Uh, and it basically is a replica of what happened on top of the mountain Tababusiu. So you get the history. You also visit the museum. And we go to Roma, which is a university town in Lesotho. And there are dinosaur footprints there. Okay, so we see those. So if you are into paleontology, that's also very nice. And then from there, we spend the second night in Simon Kong. Okay, uh, Simon Kong, we do a, black, a blanket presentation. There's a lovely lady there, Me Masito, who will give the best blanket presentation. So basically, she talks about the blanket, how they came to be, and the meaning behind each and every blanket that the Basutus have. Yeah, and we spend the night at the lodge, Simon Kong, which is very beautiful, very rustic, but it's one, it's the only working lodge in Africa, I can say, where 50% of their profit goes to the community. So they, it's built in the community, the members of the community walk through there with their donkeys and horses. Um, yeah, and it's just working in unison with it, with everything. So it's a beautiful place to be especially for, for South Africans, uh, international people, they love it. And then, of course, we do a hike or a pony trek to the Maletzenyana waterfalls, which is about 194 meters tall. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, third day, we basically drive back to, to, to Underberg. Yeah. So that is the popular one, the three-day, two nights. Yeah. Okay, and all those roads in Todd now? Yes, but it also depends on the route that you want to take. Okay. Um, so if you stick on the main road, I would say the A1, that would be tarred all the way to, to the west. And then there's the route that cuts through to Tabatseka and uh, Katze Dam. That is not tarred and it's quite bad. So you will definitely need 4x4 four four for that route. David, do you know anybody at Sani Wines? I think they're based in Masiru. I mean, they should be selling their wines at, at uh, the lodge. Well, it's interesting that you should say that because I have seen sunny wine at the top. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't know if it is from the them. same. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to the brewery? In, is that in Maseru? Yes, uh, that's in Maseru. Uh, I haven't been, unfortunately, um, because of time constraints. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go there because hey, I love my Maluti beers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're traveling up from South Africa, where's the best place or the closest place where I can buy uh, Maluti beers? If I want to buy a case, not one. There is um, ShopRite um, in Mokotlong. 
that is probably your best place. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you do know you're not allowed to cross <laughs> the alcohol. But uh, yeah, if you sunny pass would be your best route. Mukhotlong, and you buy your cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think. I think we're so close to Lesotho, but it's because it's not really accessible. We don't get there, and we don't spend a lot of time there. David. Tell us, where can people find out more about you? What's the best way to contact you? Well, the best way would be WhatsApp. Uh, but you can find me on ditabengtravel.co.za. And yeah. I've got a big presence on Instagram, uh, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay. What, what does Ditabeng mean? Ditabeng is basically mountains. Okay. Uh, place of mountains, yes. Okay. Wonderful. We'll we'll put all that in the show notes and hopefully we can send you a lot of people that, that need help. David, there is one thing that I want to ask and I've forgotten. Tell us about the taxis that get converted into four by fours. <laughs> no, those those taxis are actually not converted. They are imported from Singapore and Japan. So they buy them secondhand, and um, they are actually all-wheel drive. They are not 4 by 4 because they don't have the front. So the rumor is that there's somebody in the mountains who converts these cars into 4 by 4s <laughs> and they had the executives from, from Japan flying to Durban, and then somebody took them on a, on a trip to, to Sani Pass to go and have a look at this this chap that was converting these cars. No, but, no. but are they just normal normal uh, all-wheel drives that come in on these ships and uh, get sold into Lesotho? Okay. <laughs> well, the, well, the other story is much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That will get people going. <laughs> uh, David, it was wonderful chatting to you. And I'll definitely visit you on my next trip to Heimville. Please do. That was David Powell, owner of Dieter Bang Private Tours, based in Heimville. Next, we talked to Motiba from Sani Wines in Maseru. I thought that the top of Sani would be the end of our journey, but then I saw somewhere that there was a winery called Sani Wines Lesotho in Maseru. And I thought this would be a wonderful opportunity to connect the winery and the owner of the lodge. So here to tell us a little bit more about the winery is Mutiba Tamai. Mutiba, welcome to the show. Tell us how you came up with the idea of starting a winery in Lesotho. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, our, our winery is situated um, about 30 kilometers in, outside of Maseru. It's not in Mokotlung. So because of the name... Uh, most people assume that it is in Mokotlong or at Sunny Pass. Yeah. Uh, so we are a small farm here, which is started by my father uh, back in 1990s, where we were farming um, the, the the soft fruits, the apples, the peaches, and the grapes. Okay. So in 2008, we met some guys from PAL. Uh, the owners of a uh, farm by the, uh, which is called Rod Perez. So they they were told 
tourists there, they were just passing by to Mohale Dam, and then they noticed that we have some few grape, grape uh, vines in our in our in our farm. So then they came over to us, and then we communicated with the, with them a lot of uh, stories, and then they told us that they had they have a a, a wine farm in Pal. So then they wanted to know whether it's possible to make wine here in Lesotho. Having looked at the at our 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 grape trees. So then we got very interested in in wine because at that time we didn't have any idea about wine or about how to make wine. So then they started helping us to to draw soil samples. Uh, and they recommended the a certain variety that they think it will be suitable for our our place here, being at a high altitude at about 1,900, we decided to plant Shannon Blank. Okay, I think it was yeah it was in 2008 when we do that. And then we had our, our first plants about 300 plants that we have planted of Shannon Blank. And in, in 2012, we had our first harvest, which we transported to a pal where the process of uh, winemaking was done. Because at that time, we didn't have any kind of uh, winemaking equipment here in the farm. Okay. So uh, from the results that we got from that uh, small production, we gave that wine to different uh, wine tasters to try and uh, comment about it and feel how it it, it tastes. So we had a good uh, we had a very good uh, remarks from them. They showed that there is a potential for 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 making wine here. So on that basis, we started uh, planting bit by bit our 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 grapes every year we planted about 200 uh, uh, seedlings okay so then from there we started uh, in, increasing our production up to two barrels where by now we are having about uh, um, eight barrels of shining blank and pinotage uh, together and then that, that's how we, we, we started uh, this process of making wine here. Okay, so it was all, all really a coincidence. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. I, I, I've seen, I've been to a wine farm um, near Foresburg, and, uh, and I know it's not that close, but it is also one, it must be the highest um, winery in South Africa. Yeah, I've heard about the winery, but uh, we haven't been to the, to the winery yet. Yeah, but but I, I I heard about it. Okay. Or oh, I'm saying yeah, uh, we also met the owner of the winery here in the farm. Who uh, he he once visited our farm here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we haven't visited his farm yet. Um. And do do you welcome visitors to the farm, or is it not suited for that? Yeah, we do. We do uh, welcome visitors here. Uh, we sometimes do a little. The wine tasting here in the farm and sell some bottles. Okay. So yeah, the, the visitors are do welcomed. Okay, but it's quite a long way from from sunny 
from the Sony Lodge, eh? Five, five, five hundred kilometers, okay. roughly. Yeah, but I'm not sure what. The last time I checked, yeah. the, um, they could buy the wine at at Sunny at the Sunny Lodge, I think. Yeah, last last year we 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 supplied the Sunny Lodge with the wine, so I'm not sure if they still have stock now. And I think I will have to consult with them and mm. find out if the stock is still available. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll also have a word with Chapa Metzi. I think she should definitely support you guys. Where else is the wine available? Do you sell it mostly on the farm or are there some some bottle stores or, or restaurants where, where people can get it? Uh, there is a bottle store in Maseru only that is that is having the, bottle, the, 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 the wine. Station of Sales has the wine. So, so far, we are still supplying them. Um, how many bottles are you making now out of out of those six or eight barrels? We make between the 3,000 and uh, 2,500 bottles uh, per year. But that uh, not, mostly depends on the, on the weather because sometimes we have a lot of uh, rainfalls in summer. So our crepe, they don't need a lot of rain in summer. Okay. So here in Lesotho, the challenge is the the summer rainfall. Okay. But uh, under under good uh, weather, when there is no much rain, we normally have uh, about four thousand bottles. Okay. Motiba, thank you very much for your time. Hopefully, we can send a few more of our adventurers to come and visit you in Maseru. Okay. Thank you very much. Man. That was Motiba from Sunny Wines in Maseru. Please join us for the final part of our journey where Khapametsi Maleka, owner of the Sani Lodge, will join us. My name is Holger Meyer and I travel the world in search of beer and adventure. <laughs>